Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 168. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. First of all, sorry that there's been a little bit of a gap in episodes. I was away for a bit of April. I just took a bit of a working vacation down in Florida. And then I had to postpone the release of a couple episodes just because there was delays in release dates on the artist's end. So those episodes are coming. And today we've got a really cool episode for you, one that I was super excited about doing. We've got Travis Stever on this episode of the Adamantium Podcast. Travis is the guitarist from legendary prog rock band Coheed and Cambria, a band that I've been a huge fan of for at least a decade and a half. In my university years, I was obsessed with them ever since playing the song Welcome Home on Rock Band. So I was felt super privileged to get some time with Travis ahead of Coheed and Cambria's show at History here in Toronto. And we had an awesome conversation, and Travis is so nice. The whole team, the whole Coheed and Cambria team are so nice. They, uh, they hooked me up with like the VIP treatment. They let me watch the show from the side stage, which is something I haven't really gotten to experience before. So that was super cool. And I got to fan out big time because currently Coheed and Cambria are on a really interesting tour where they're playing their album No World for Tomorrow, which is, I think, my favorite album of theirs. They're playing it in its entirety, followed by a selection of songs from their latest album. And so it felt like a, a very unique show to be at and then to get to experience it that way was, was really cool. So as I just mentioned, Coheed and Cambria released a new album last year. It's called Vaxis Act 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. And if you're familiar with Coheed and Cambria's work, you know that almost all of their work are, are concept um, albums. And uh, so Vaxis Act 2 is part two of a five-part series, a, a five-part storyline, which is cool because we know there's at least three more parts coming. And part two is really, really awesome. There's uh, some, some kind of new styles that uh, I wasn't expecting from Coheed and Cambria, and it's a really cool album. So if you haven't yet, check it out wherever you get your music. And for the Adamantium podcast listeners who are maybe new to Coheed and Cambria's music, we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment. And that's where I pick out five of my favorite songs that you could check out before or after the interview. We also now have the Adamantium Recommends playlist on Apple Music, which is a great way to discover new music, but it's also just a really awesome playlist with great songs. So if you're an Apple Music subscriber, definitely go check that out as well. So here are my five picks by Coheed and Cambria, which was not easy because I am a big fan of their music, so leveling it down to five songs was really tough. But I usually like to kick this off with something new. So from that new album, Vaxis Act 2, I'm going to recommend the lead single. It's called Shoulders. And then, like I said, they have so much music to choose from. I'm going to go all the way back to their 2010 album. It's called Year of the Black Rainbow, and I'm going to pick the song World of Lines. And then I've got two picks from the album Good Apollo on Burning Star 4, Volume 2, No World for Tomorrow, which is the one I mentioned earlier they're currently touring. The first song I'm picking actually is the album's namesake. It's such an epic song. It's called No World for Tomorrow. And then the second song I'm going to pick is one called Feathers. And then my last pick is from the 2005 album Good Apollo on Burning Star 4, Volume 1, from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. And how could I have a Coheed list without the song Welcome Home? 
So go listen to Coheed and Cambria, especially if you haven't already. I could have easily picked a dozen other songs because they're such an incredible band. Insanely talented musicians with some of the most incredible minds to create these concepts and stories that their songs tell. If you are a big Coheed fan uh, that is tuning into the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, first of all, thank you so much for turning up. We love that you're listening to us today. We appreciate you. And if you like this episode, we'd love for you to tune in again sometime. We have many other amazing bands on this podcast. So please do hit that subscribe button uh, on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. But you can also find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. And that's it for now. So let's introduce you to Travis Stever of the one and only Coheed and Cambria right here on episode 168 of the Adamantium podcast. Thank you all so much for being here today. Have a fantastic week. God bless. And we'll see you back here again for a new episode real soon. Cool, man. Cool. So we're here with Travis from Coheed and Cambria. Thank you. Adam. I didn't get a chance to say it, but I'm a, a big fan myself. Awesome. So I've seen Coheed five times. Oh, wow. Which, okay. well, I just met a guy outside who this is his 25th show. So yeah. I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm not that have, big a fan. Uh, we actually have somebody that's been following us for quite some time. Um, uh, someone named Devin who is uh, 100 shows really? on this tour. He, on this tour alone. Actually, we, it was really cool because he had like this little thing, um, like a sheet that had like the cross off for each show. Okay. And he allowed one of us to cross off each oh, that's cool. show at a meet and greet. And, yeah. Um, I think the Claudio crossed off the 100th. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Is that a thing? I, 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 I don't think I've I got seen the 99th. Anything. I was proud of that. You got the 99th. Right. Okay. Maybe you'll get the, the 200th. No, <laughs> down. To down. Crown. So, so he comes to the meet and greet for everyone too. So uh, not, every, cross. not exactly every one of them. Right. Most of them, he's it's just super supportive and super supportive amazing, of all yeah. the projects. We have like two uh, fans named Devin that are both like, and we call them the East Coast and West Coast Devin. <laughs> West Coast Devin happened to come over to the East Coast for yeah. these, and uh, East Coast Devin no longer lives where he used to live in New York, so. Uh, now he's not as much the East Coast Devin. Okay. And he's got... Is know, West Coast Devin the 100 guy? Yes. Okay, so maybe he was East Coast Devin East Coast I just Devin met. might be way up there, though. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's the guy I met. I don't know. He was from New York. Yeah. Or like upstate New York anyways. Oh, okay. No, then that's not the same. No. No, West it's Coast, not him? Yeah, okay. no. Right. He was here with his wife, and they both had tattoos, too, so... Oh, yeah. I wonder if he's here. I don't think so. Yeah. He would have tattooed. Have you guys... You guys haven't done... You haven't done this venue. No. This is a new venue, just yeah. last year. Yeah. So it's a good space. Yeah, I heard I a lot about like it. it. I heard Drake owns some of it. Drake is a part owner of it, yeah. yeah. And I heard that he and Lil Wayne did a show here, and it was amazing. That's yeah, what I heard. Was telling us. That's their, and man, they've been getting some good, like they've got, now got, they've got Ed Sheeran doing a show here. That's amazing. They got, they had it's Muse, place. they had Muse doing a show here last year, like getting big artists to do the kind of like... Megadeth's playing here tomorrow night. Are they? Cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're getting some great shows here, which is great. It kind of filled that gap uh, of this size, you know, that we didn't really have in Toronto. Yeah, so, so cool. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me. There's lots of lots of stuff I want to ask you about because, like I said, I'm a fan. So um, I guess a good place to start though is you know, tenth album just came out. Uh, well, last year, about a year ago. Still, still new. Still to new. Us. Yeah. Still new. Um, Vax is part two. Um, and one thing I found really interesting that I, I read about the album is you guys had stated that on this album, um, you kind of worked without limitations and didn't feel like you had to put something that people would just expect. Um, yeah. so I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about that and what, you know, what you kind of felt you could do with this album. I mean, it was a little different in the sense of like working from a distance. Um, you know, I think that maybe for Claudio with the initial songs and writing them, he probably felt the most comfortable because all these songs just started in his home studio, which has grown more and more throughout mm -hmm. the years. And uh, it's kind of like a kid with all their toys, you know, and just being able to reach. And he's always kind of been that way. We've always started with stuff, whether it be in his studio when he lived upstate. We, we lived very close to each other for a while there. And he had a studio in a house that he called the Big Beige. And I had a, like my own little studio in Warwick. And we'd kind of go back and forth from there. And, and so, you know, this was no different. But it, the difference for me personally is that I couldn't, even though he was so close, there was a time period where I couldn't just go in there. Um, you know, because of the pandemic. Right. Um, so I think that that added to even more experimentation, even on my end, because I, you know, kind of flying blind with sending melody ideas on the guitar and stuff and, and trying to, you know, it's it's a different communication when you're not in the room together. Right. Um, we've been doing a lot of demoing on, on new material. And, and I'm going to, like, backtrack a little, Adam, because it's like, I don't think that Koei has ever released a record where we didn't try and push the boundary in a right. sense and try and do something different. I think that this was just different than all the rest of them in a sense. And it has aspects of all, you know, the familiar Koei sounds, but it was just kind of a new era. I think that especially for Claudio experimenting with more um, almost cinematic and... and uh, you know, just, well, oh, we always have a cinematic feel, but I feel like this, specifically with the last three songs, um, you know, especially this, the title track, Window of the Waking Mind, is, is um, I don't know, it almost has a Broadway, kind mm -hmm. of feel like a musical feel to it um, at certain points. And I think that that's kind of always been there, but I think that it was more explored than ever. Right. At least in that song in particular, but then you take a song like Ladders and it explores more of the prog and heavier elements of Coheed. Um, it's all over the map, but I mean, I think that in saying dropping all limitations, um, I don't think that's new for Coheed. I just think in this sense, some things uh, were, were, it was easier to drop limitations because of the limitations. Is that, right. Does that make sense? Like but there I, were limitations. Yeah. And we weren't nobody was going to make them roadblocks yeah and i i think too like the great thing for you guys is your fans probably expect you to experiment yeah and come out you know whereas um i don't want to give but like someone who makes a pop album is expected to sound like this and yeah uh, make this and 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 their their fans kind of expect that from them whereas at least your fans are probably you know we want to hear something cool and different and yeah always yeah um but I do think, I think that, you know, part of it also with the producer, like the producer that came in, Zach Cervini, 
you know, once Claudio got together with him and Josh went out there and did drums, I still did things from a distance at mm -hmm. the time due to the pandemic. But, you know, I was in New York still. But once he was together with him, you know, it, I think that it was even surprising for him that a lot of the material that had developed almost in demo form. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't really demo because Claudio, like, it, it's like once you get to a point where he's built his studio up so much that... He's, he's recording things and he's gotten very good with, with producing and engineering on his own that it's like these things are recorded so well that when a producer does get them, mm -hmm. you know, a lot, a lot of people I know it's ended up that way. I mean, I record a lot of things at home. I wouldn't say that, you know, I could always use the assistant of a, assistance of another ear, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to mixing. But Claudio himself got to a point where I think that he sent things to Zach Cervini and you know and a lot of them had every band member on it already and and it was just like the vision was there mm -hmm. you know so that experimentation from from that home base that he had was was you know it doesn't happen as often like that i mean you know there are albums that we had before this like you know even for vaxis one we took mm -hmm. all the songs and though a lot of them uh, there were numerous tracks that were from the demos transferred over to play to in the studio a lot of the stuff was re-recorded right you know what i mean but with with a window of the waking mind a lot of the original mm -hmm. stuff that that was performed that he performed in his home and even that we sent back and forth was ended up on that record was that a very different process for you guys trying to i guess start make this project while during a, a time yeah was, yeah that's why i'm saying like was a lot of it like the limitations guys, yeah allowed for less limitations right you know what i mean so like, what about like uh the song the lead single the song called shoulders was released i think almost a year ahead of the album how how did that song kind of well, set the album the, was still done at that time it was done yeah. okay so and how did that song kind of set the tone for listeners to expect for the album um it was just the song that was chosen to be the strongest okay and that was a song that was actually not going to be on the record he went out to LA yeah. to, to be with the, the producer and start preparing things with Zach Cervini and Zach Cervini said you know this is he had that as a demoed song um, and I had heard it before and it's cool because Zach Cervini heard the potential that some of the rest of us couldn't mm -hmm. hear and lo and behold you know and that, that you take that and you say well there's something there because this producer came along listened to that demo and was like no no we need a song like this on the record and this and it becomes the first yeah. song released, you yeah. know? So you never know what that kind of stuff would do. It's very interesting. Yeah, that song, I always, to me, what always sticks out is that, that the chorus melody and then the guitar riff in that, in that song. Yeah. Where, do you remember how that song started? Did it start That's with... That's Claudio. He started with that song in, you know, like I said, that was a demo. I remember hearing it. He had that riff. He had everything, you know, and, and interestingly enough, maybe the riff wasn't, popping the way it, it needed to when I initially heard it or it was a tone but it mm -hmm. didn't all of a sudden he goes to Zach Cervini and they they start working on it more and I was like okay the riff's undeniable yeah you know and the and the melodies are undeniable and so really you know you need somebody sometimes with an outside perspective to say hey no that's worth exploring right you know mm-hmm and then wasn't, I, I read something too that there was, you know, again, putting together an album during the pandemic, there had been some stuff you guys had written ahead of time that then you had to almost second 
guess the actual content because it it almost seemed it was too too close to home during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there was like a quarantine song or something that was Claudia, in the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do remember, and I did hear that song, and I, I understand that it's a cool song. I, yeah. But uh, I do remember that he was kind of like, maybe this isn't appropriate for this. Maybe not the right time, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Then you guys are, one thing, the most amazing thing about Coheed, I think, is you guys got to be the, the kings of the, the concept album. <laughs> you know, and, and I think what's amazing is the follow through on such ambition. You know, I, I remember being a creative person myself. I'd always think of these amazing creative projects to do, and I'd get partway through them and be like, I'm exhausted from this. I don't even feel like finishing it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Of so does that, you know, how, what like mo- the motivation for you guys to see like a, a project of this kind of vastness and it's like almost your entire discography is like that. You know, how how do you keep you guys motivated and, and, and ambitious to to see I'm see on the music out? end of it. Right. So I'm always ambitious to, to explore whatever musically. Uh, whatever boundaries we want to push, um, I'm game for it. Right. Every other band member is too. Um, you know, Zach's out there playing incredible guitar parts right now, and I'm like, I hear a million songs that could come out of that. Yeah. You know? um, we, and, you know, I mean, he's incredible at anything he does, but, you know, we're lucky to have him as a bass player. We got Josh, uh, a drummer that, like, literally speaks through his drums. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you have the rest of the musicians, but when it comes to concept-wise, that's that's Claudio, and right. Claudio is, uh, you know, a person who actually wants to speak his life story in a way and opinions and stuff through a concept, through mm-hmm. through an actual storyline. So it's a, a very hard task, but a very but it's like it's like very on one side easy. Because mm-hmm. it's like he allows life to kind of dictate what certain subjects are going to be. Right. But it's also very hard for him because he has to piece it together. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's always been a passion for him because at the heart of it, he's a storyteller. Yeah. So, but a shy storyteller. Interesting. So yeah. being that he's an introverted, shy storyteller, I think that the way that he found that he could kind of, you know, stand at the at the podium, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, be the front man, is to put a concept in front of mm. what he's going through in life. Yeah. And develop characters that could represent emotions and different uh, experiences. And, you know, so I think that it's almost become a part of his existence mm-hmm. to the point where I think that if he wasn't telling a story, that tells his life story right. as well. It would kind of, he would be missing it, right? You know? So I think that that's how it fits in. I mean, that was a long-winded way to answer it, but no, the that's... rest of us as band members are always ready to push the envelope musically. Well, I was going to so say, so the music has to go with pushing the envelope in these mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah, I mean, uh, you alone have been known to experiment with different string instruments, absolutely, lap steel and Love banjo and, and that yeah. kind of. So how how do you find that that has really uh, contributed to Coheed's sound over the years? And I mean, those kind of things have made their way into you know. There's mm-hmm. like songs like where the lap steel has made its way into Coheed. You know, there was even a little banjo on some stuff. Like you know, everything that I've picked up has somehow found its way. But I mean, it also helps me because when I come back and I'm working on these songs with Claudio or 
or any of the other guys or any music in general mm -hmm. that I work on, it helps me because it brings new melodies to mind. Like, you know, any kind of new instrument gives you a new approach to any kind of song writing or creating melodies. Mm -hmm. um, same with you and, and Claudia like to do the, the dueling guitars. I know. Yeah. And that I mean, is... I, yeah. I enjoy that when, you know what I mean? The song has to be right for it. Right, right. Um, you guys are currently touring right now on a tour called No World for the Waking Mind, where you play uh, Apollo Part 4, No uh, No World for Tomorrow in its entirety, followed by a selection of songs from Faxis 2. Yeah. Tell me what made it feel like the right time to do that right now? Because I was trying to figure out, is, like, is, it an, is it an anniversary of No World for Tomorrow or... And it didn't. I don't think so. So, what made you guys decide to, to tour that way right now? Um, we were supposed to do the No World for Tomorrow tour before the pandemic. Gotcha. Okay. And um, a lot of people were really bummed. We released um, a window of the waking mind. Oh, sorry. In the meantime, um, you know, we we released it while we, you know, we had just come back out to tour, uh, and I believe we did a tour with the Used, and that was upon shoulders being released right okay. um and then we released a couple of other songs from this record and then we're touring on a record so mm -hmm. it was kind of like no world took a back seat uh and we had a lot of fans that were really bummed that we hadn't done it mm -hmm. so which is endearing you know mm -hmm. you know i think that a general um a general uh outlook on it originally was well you know Maybe we could do that much later on down the road. It's too bad we didn't get to do it, but mm -hmm. now we're on to this the new record. Thing, yeah. And but once we saw that people were as bummed out as they were that it never happened, mm -hmm. we decided how can we combine it, still be on tour for a window of the waking mind, but mm -hmm. perform that too. And it's a quite an undertaking. It's almost yeah. two hours of playing, but it's worth it. And yeah. people seem to really be enjoying. I it. mean, I, when I read that, I was like, that is super cool. That was. No World for Tomorrow, debatably my favorite Coheed album. That's so it was cool. the first. It was the first tour I went to was the No World for Tomorrow tour. I was oh, in that's university. amazing! Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I was super stoked when I saw well, it. Wait till you hear these guys. You know, it's it's interesting because, of course, a lot of people know Taylor Hawkins played on the record. Mm -hmm. but Taylor Hawkins had a had a very um, similar style to Josh. Yeah, you know and. Having Josh, the original, you know, foundation of what Coheed is, and um, actually perform these songs is, is really cool. And and then you have Zach, who's like, you know, he brings his own energy and and cool melodies to to mm -hmm. a lot of these songs, and and you know, it's cool. It's 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 taking this album that's from so long ago and still paying honor and right. know, homage to everything that happens on that record but also breathing new life into it to fit with the new. Yeah. Like it, it, it's amazing how it kind of goes hand in hand with, with Was there some of the Waking Minds. Yeah, did there have to be some conversation of which songs from Waking Mind fit well with, yeah, if we're doing this album absolutely. in its entire, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. you know, there was a lot of people bummed that we didn't do like a couple of other songs from A Window of the Waking Mind, but there's definitely a time limit on mm -hmm. it, and there was definitely like, what's gonna work, you know? There's a lot of people that wanted one of the songs that we're playing that's, you know, an undertaking, uh, yeah. Ladders of the Supremacy, and, you know, but then they're disappointed that they don't get, like, a song like Comatose or something like that, but right. it's like, you know, we had to learn a whole record 
that we hadn't played some of those songs in, you know, and we never had a chance to rehearse it before mm -hmm. the pandemic. Honestly, yeah. everything fell to shit. Our rehearsals were booked and everything fell apart and we couldn't even rehearse the songs. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like, well, you might as well not rehearse it because you're not doing the tour. Mm -hmm. So this was learning, relearning for yeah. us, but also learning for, for Josh and Zach some of the stuff for the first time. Yeah. Uh, three or four of the songs from No World, if not more, and then fitting in a window of the Waking Mind stuff. So we had to really figure out what we were going to be able to accomplish. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's important to us in Coheed to make it the best it can be, too. So we're not just going to throw a few songs in and be like, yeah, it's good enough. You know, yeah. no, we're going to perfect it. You know? Yeah. And I know you, you mentioned it briefly, but, you know, obviously in the last year, did. Taylor Hawkins is someone who's been on everyone's mind in the music world. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a memory or anything? Do you, well, what was it like working with him there on that There were countless album? memories. I mean, yeah. there were countless memories of doing that record. I remember sitting upstairs with him and he brought a bunch of DVDs he had of like, you know, at that time it was still like, they were, they were still like import DVDs of concerts because we didn't have YouTube. Yeah. We had YouTube at the time, but it wasn't as, you know, we're talking 2005. So yeah. It, you know, stuff was up there, but you couldn't find every concert from every band you liked. And yeah. we had some Genesis concerts, like from the original Peter Gabriel era. And we shared a real love for that stuff. And he had some uh, some stuff from, um, like, a, one of my favorite guitar players is Joe Walsh. And he, mm -hmm. Eagles? He, yeah, well, yeah, but, but James Gang, he actually, like the James Gang, which was original band of Joe Walsh, he had actually hung out with them and performed at one of their reunion things with them and became friends with those guys. So it was like, you know, I got to dork out and kind of listen to those stories. And when meanwhile he's recording on our record and, you know, it's mind blowing because the Foo Fighters were doing a mixing their record at the time down the hall. And it was just, it was, it was a very surreal time period. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, it's it's like cool to be out here playing these songs and you think about them, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a, I was gonna say it's a, a nice time to be you know at least be thinking about them, paying a little tribute. Yeah. But also nice, like you said, to have the drummer who originally kind of pieced this work together yeah. back doing it too, kind of full circle kind yeah. of moment for you guys. It's really cool. Um, one of my first memories of Coheed, um, and maybe the first time I heard Coheed was um, at, a, at a rock band party, you know, in college. That was a thing when I was in college. The song, yeah, Welcome Home was on rock band, and it was like one of the jams. It was like one of the hard songs. That really did do us right, you know? Yeah. A lot of people got to hear it for the first time through that, you know? Yeah. Thank you, rock band, the video game. Yeah, and it's funny too, now there's a whole new generation here that's like not even a thing anymore, but when I was in college, it was the, yeah, it was cool. the thing to do, yeah. Um, in 2020, you guys also worked with uh, Rick Springfield. That was cool. Well, that yeah. must have been cool. And you guys got to do a sequel of his song, Jesse's Girl. Yeah. Um, tell me about that experience, but I also read that you guys had considered doing a whole record of sequels. Yeah, and that's still Is not that off, still in the mix? It's still not off the table. Okay. I mean, you know, we got plenty going on right now. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> we were in the studio kind of working on some other random ideas and just trying to see what would come out of it. And probably that was probably still 2019. And we discussed it, like the the idea came up to do sequel songs, you know. And we were all joking about all different ones, but there was one that sounded. I mean, I just remember Claudio drifted towards it because it just reminded him so much of that Jesse's Girl song, 
And so he kind of developed it, you know, he took the tracks from us all playing in the studio together and started to develop it more. And we wound up like kind of, you know, re-recording. I don't even know if we, I think that the drums might have still been from the original live when we did. I re-recorded a bunch of guitars. I know he did um, and did the vocals, but then Rick Springfield actually got involved. And uh, it was kind of cool because it was like this, you know, fun idea that actually came to fruition. Yeah. <laughs> but it goes back to what we said. There's a lot of that with Kobe because when it comes to the concept stuff and everything like that, it's it's amazing that some of it often comes together the way it does, you know? Yeah. I mean, somebody else might hear it as super far-fetched and then we make it happen. Mm. Are you able to review any of the other songs that have been kind of thrown out there to, to sequel? Oh, um... No, I wouldn't do that because I don't want to ruin. Right, you know, right. There's actually even discussed a couple that I've been like, you know what? Yeah. Maybe someday we will do it, but yeah. uh, but yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to throw it out there and then it's not a surprise to anybody. Right, but, right. But it's definitely not something that's happening right now. We got plenty going right. on. Otherwise, there's been demoing of new material. It's it's, and we're out here with this, so it's clearly you and you. I think during the you were you start you started another band too, LS Yes. and you know. You know, I don't the term supergroups kind of a lame term, but yeah, from Kenton members. It's of, hard. It's hard because it's a real band, and and yeah, people. And that's the like, only reason why you know nobody kind of goes, oh well, you can't call us that because it's an honor that somebody chooses to call the band that because yeah. who's in it. But the other side of it is, it's a real band. Yeah, you know what I mean. And unbeknownst to us, in the early stages of it, <laughs> unbeknownst to us that it would become the real band it is. Yeah, that we would have the chemistry that we do and. It was kind of like, okay, this is undeniable. We started writing from a distance and then we're writing in the same room and all of a sudden it's like, no, this is a real thing, you know? And we've been working on new material as well, so it's... So you guys have plans to keep that yeah, going as well? Oh yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Tours will be announced, too. Amazing. Um, one thing, uh, you know, I read that I thought was really cool. One of my personal favorite Coheed songs is a song called Ten Speed of God's Blood and Burial, and mm -hmm. that was, I believe, one that you wrote. I didn't write the song. That's, okay. That's a misconception when it comes to music. I wrote the original, like that's that's like uh, a part of my contribution that has happened a few times in Coheed where if I have a guitar riff yeah. and it turns Claudio or the other guys on and we want to keep going with that, that's the initial beginning of the song. Okay. Now the actual... You know, and, and even on that verse, I did the, the vocal response thing following yes, my guitar yeah. was an initial idea. But Claudio had that chorus. Um, and Claudio, I think we all developed the bridge together in pre-production. But mm. the, the concept of it being about a 10-speed bicycle that yeah. is going to murder somebody, I have no, <laughs> that's, that's not, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could only but come maybe from the, one it mind. Kind of, yeah, it sparked. So it's like, you know, it's But like, maybe it sparked, like you said, sparked oh, yeah, from I mean, that I guitar. Because that guitar riff is also an epic guitar riff. Well, thank you. Know, you I remember, I remember, like, I picked up a guitar. I'm a drummer, but I picked up a guitar, uh, you know, when I was in high school, college. And that was a song where I'm like, you know, over and over trying to play it to speed, you know? Yeah, like, well, yeah. but that's the thing about, like, being in a band where, where everybody is as talented as they are in Coheed. It's like... That's just the random guitar riff that we were playing at, at uh, um, a sound check. And I believe the sound check was for a show that was in uh, Kingston, New York, or, you know, it was very early days, but we all started playing it. 
And we just kept doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And now Claudio started playing what is the other guitar part at the beginning of that. You got that, you know, the initial guitar comes in and then that lead kind of like harmony guitar. And once those came together, that there is the hook. Right. In in that it in that verse. Mm -hmm. And then the chorus itself is a hook. So that's why it's like I didn't you know, we wrote that song. Yeah. Like that song is a band effort. Okay. Yeah. So very cool. One of the, like I said, one of the coolest songs. The guitar riff really does punch you in the face, right? When yeah, you get, yeah, of course. I, I, I think that that is like the most important thing is that you get punched in the face by something. No. Yeah, yeah you, know, <laughs> you know, a song that punch, like I, I love that. Like from the where a song, like from the get go, and you, Akohi does a lot of that. Like, you know, it, it really opens. Yeah, with that's a, a band, sonic you know? like decision that, yeah. that I think that a lot of people that have worked with the band too know that that's an element. That is important about Coheed is that even in a soft song, there's got to be something that like grabs you, not exactly a punch in the face or right. take away from it. But even in a soft song, there's got to be, whether it be a melody or some sort of riff or something that, that hooks. And I think that anybody that works with the band and, and the band, all of us ourselves know that as long as there's something like that, that grabs the listener. And that goes back to like, that helps with being able to have mm-hmm. the concept carry all the weight that it needs to too you know it's it's is, as long as the listener is hooked in by something melody wise or even if it's drum you know like oriented whatever it's going to allow them to have more of an open mind to yeah. listen to the bicycle yes tell the guy to kill somebody <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah like, yeah now tell me about uh before we got just a couple minutes left but you know, from the get-go, you guys, uh, you know, and I'm sure your sound put you there, but you guys had been, from the very get-go, you've been touring with bands like Linkin Park and Slipknot and AFI from the very beginning, from the first album. Um, were you guys able to, to, what were you able to take from touring with bands like, they were like the biggest bands on the planet at the time. Were you, did you guys, they were, do you think that that kind of set you on a, on a mission? Yeah. Yeah. I think that any, I think, it takes an army and I think that basically all the people that have chosen to put their faith in, in allowing us to perform with them mm-hmm. and you know even doing a Slipknot tour we have people that you know did we have a hard time with certain Slipknot fans yeah they, they were a little rough on us in certain yeah. places but we were willing to go through that to reach the few people that we did have come to the next Coheed show that came to that same city and say hey i saw you at slipknot and i really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and the slipknot guys were super awesome to us and they liked having us out so that's really all that mattered and the same went to lincoln park and the same goes for Mm -hmm. you know i remember back i you know it's hard to remember some of the afi moments back then that was very early on but afi i'm in band I'm in a band with 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 Tim and Tucker now from Thursday, but yeah. Thursday took us over under their wing when we were young. Hot Water Music, Thrice, like we have all these bands, you know, that though they're kind of like contemporary, they still, you know, that goes back to that it takes an army. I mean, it's like you help each other move up that yeah. thing, and and you have to have faith in the other bands. I mean, we're lucky. I think that working with with Death Heaven right yes, now yeah. is 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 beneficial to this band like we, we we have never sold out where we played in Montreal on um what did you guys play what was this Friday night it was Friday night Metropolis was it I'll tell you right now um it's uh it was just two nights ago so 
It was the uh, uh, Corona Theater. Okay. Theater Corona. And we played there a few times. We never sold it out. Okay. We came there with Death Heaven. You know, this is a great tour. We have No World. And, you know, I know that that definitely is turned. But I think that being with them is part of what made, you know, I'm positive. So um, it's like part of it. It's like you work together. I I was going to say, I think you put ambitious uh, people in a room together or, you know, on a tour together. And it there's only, there can only be, you know, one way, you know? Yeah. You, 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 people get inspired by people. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's a beautiful, why stop that? Yeah. There's a lot of bands that would cancel out and be like, you know, it was just because they want to be better than everybody else. Well, that's a bullshit way to live. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, the last question, kind of fun one, because I, I saw it on your website. Who's the Who's the coffee connoisseur in the in the band? Claudio's the co- more the coffee. He, he does a he's lot. He's the of coffee taste. guy. I do love coffee. I'm off the coffee right now. Okay. Just because I'm trying to, we're all trying to sing a lot of backups to, because Claude's got a lot on us. So we do a lot of backups on this album, and I'm trying to make my voice, you know, keep it strong, you know, so no booze, no coffee, that okay. whole thing. But because uh, you guys are, uh, there's a coheed. Coffee oh, no, but that's what I'm saying. I do love coffee. Yeah, yeah. But he was the more the coffee kind of sort of taste that stuff. But we, the cool thing is, is now um, Ernie, our tour manager, has has taken the reins on really, you know, starting to perfect a lot of the aspects and, and develop new flavors for our coffee line. And there's a lot of exciting things going on. Cool, man. Cool, man. So. Well, I am... Uh... I'm stoked for you guys. I'm glad you were 10 albums and I read that Vaxis is supposed to be a five part. Oh yeah. So there's plenty more to come and that, so that makes me happy. So yeah. um, a pleasure to have you on the show, man. And thank you for taking Thanks, some time. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcast. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.